Hi, Wine Delusters, and today we're exploring Gundagai. Welcome to the Wine Delust podcast. My name's Janine, and I run a wine events business in Canberra. But my real passion is travel, and my bucket list is to travel to every wine region in the world. In this series, I'll be exploring some regional Aussie wine destinations. I'll give you some tips whether you're planning a romantic getaway, a girls' weekend, or you're dragging the kids along. Pour yourself a glass, and let's get exploring. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land about which this podcast is about today, the Wiradjuri people, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. So Gundagai, we've all heard about the dog on the tucker box and the track winding back, but it's also a wine region. So this geographical indicator is a fairly new wine region. The region was a rich hunting field and a ceremonial meeting place for the local Wiradjuri people thousands of years. The first white settlers came in 1828 for gold mining and agriculture. And because of the prosperity of Gundagai, it also became a bushranger hub and resulted in being very iconic in Australian folklore. So Gundagai is a pretty easy drive from Canberra, where I'm based, down the Hume Highway towards Melbourne. So this wine geographical indicator covers a bunch of smaller regions and towns, including Jugiong, Tumut, Kudamundra, Tamora and Junee. So I've driven through this region many times it's a very comfortable road to drive along and all around you is just rolling hills. It really highlights how big the landscape is. The sky looks huge. But I hadn't actually detoured into the town of Gundagai and I was quite impressed. It's a beautiful little town. It's very clean with a beautiful historic shop fronts lining the main street. Jugiong is about half an hour from Gundagai and it's getting a bit of a name as a foodie spot with an amazing pantry store, pretty flash pub and some boutique stores. Tumut's just off the highway and it has some pretty cool stuff at the Pretty Parrot Gin Distillery and the Tumut River Brewing Company to start with. Now Wagga Wagga's just beyond it and it's really come of age. It's a very cosmopolitan regional town. There's also a Thirsty Crow brewery in town. Coming up at the end of June is a Lost Lanes Festival and the city's going to be illuminated. The one thing I do notice with all these small towns is that there's always like a river nearby. So it's always got nice paths and cute bridges and I can see why people obviously settled there. So about the wines. There are some 27-odd vineyards in the area, but not all of them are wineries with cellar doors. The flagship grape is Shiraz. It's grown pretty much everywhere there, but there's some great Italian varietals being grown. And you'll hear in my chat with Simon from Tumblong Hills how he talks about how Sicilian grapes are doing really well there. Tumblong Hills is a massive vineyard. They're in the process of setting up a cellar door, but you can get in touch and visit by appointment at the moment. I had a ball there. I met up with Simon and he toured me around in this little four-wheel drive buggy. We stopped and tasted all the bome, which is like the sugar levels in the grapes, because it was coming up to harvest time. He tells me a bit about the history of the region, how that vineyard was established, and how many different types of Shiraz. I knew about these clones, but I had no idea how many different versions there are of it. Simon is a second-generation winemaker, and it's very interesting how his dad got into it. You'll also hear about some of my encounters with the local wildlife as he drove me around. I had a fun time, and I think you're really going to enjoy this chat. Um, so what's this little car called? Like it's like a little buggy. Uh, it's a Honda, I don't know what they call it. It's, it's like a little four-wheel buggy. Buggy. <laughs> and so it's got open windows, like there's no windows on it. And we're cruising through the, the middle of the grapes. But it's massive. Yeah, it's two, the vineyard's 200 hectares. It was planted by Southcorp, who owned Penfolds in 1998. 
There's a few spiders too. Just... <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for those. Yeah. Oh yeah, the webs. <laughs> Acres. Wow. And there's oh, and there's 200 hectares of vineyard. Wow. And so now we've just moved into a block of Shiraz. So you um just drive around and do the wine tasting. Yeah. Well, you know, this time of the year it's getting. You know, we're only a couple of weeks out from harvest, so you can you know you can taste the berries and you can see how much sugar there is in. So they're starting to get sweet. Yeah, that's delicious. So they're probably about, you know, 10, 11 Beaumet, 11 Beaumet. And so what sort of Beaumet are you looking for when you... Oh, you know, you know, 13 and a half, 14. Yep. I mean, everyone looks for different... Everybody has a different preference, different style. And so you usually harvest around that sort of February time, or is this yeah, year usually, a bit earlier? Or? Usually we harvest sort of from mid-February till, uh, you know, end of March. So, in the Gundagai region, what do you think is like the flagship varietal that people should try when they come well, to the area? Initially, this, I mean, they put a lot of effort into designing this vineyard and going to uh, getting a lot of uh, very knowledgeable people to select the site mm. because they were, it was part of what they call a Penfold Max project, yeah. an expansion project for Southcorp to go into other regions as in New South Wales. Theoretically they were looking for vineyards that could supplement their bin range outside of their core areas. And uh, So they, there's a lot of Shiraz, there's a lot of Cabernet, but they also planted you know, Sangiovese, Nebbiolo, Barbera. Uh, traditionally you'd, you'd say that Shiraz is probably the variety that is um, most suited. When there's 124 hectares of Shiraz. So wow, that's massive. They're like, expecting big things, and yes, we do make very good Shiraz, and um, you know it's getting better all the time as we've sort of you know, changed the vineyard around a bit, and we have a sort of very different approach to how we actually grow grow the fruit. We sort of um, I come from a background in biodynamics, so you know we're pretty much about soil and soil structure which you know, gives you good fruit structure and at the end of the day that's what that that's what makes good wine yeah and so yeah. now we have uh, we have the table of plenty range which is all the Italian you know, Sangiovese, uh, Nebbiolo, Barbera, uh, Fiano uh, we have the estate range and then we have a, a premium range which is the Cabernet and Shiraz and then we have another one which is called the track winding back which again is a Cabernet and Shiraz, and it sits at a similar price point to the Table of Plenty, which is you know, retails between twenty and twenty-two dollars. Yep. And the you know, the Table of Plenty you know, has been very successful yeah, for us. Yeah, I've seen it um, in loads of places. So yeah, congratulations so, on that. That's great. Yeah, no, it's good. Shiraz is a premium. Wow. Shiraz. So. The, what's the difference between where you plant this premium one to the Shiraz that we just tasted? Like, is it, this is further up the hill, so is this oh, sunnier? Oh, right. Uh, this is uh, the clone we tasted back there was uh, 1654. This is 1127, which is uh, in our premium clone. So, how many different clones are there for? Oh, there's heaps. Uh, there's, uh, there's hundreds of different clones. Wow. There's 
Are they from French different time. countries? Right. Yeah, no. I'm... Oh, sugar, there's a kangaroo. How awesome. Oh, a couple. Um, oh, there's a lot of clones in French clones that aren't in Australia. And there's hundreds and hundreds of different clones which have been you know, isolated and developed over the years. This one is, this clone is 1127, which is a. Uh, Oh, thank you. It's a premium clone. Um, is kangaroo poo good for the grapes? Well, they don't eat the grapes. That's good. Mm, it is. They, uh, yeah, no, they don't really get in the way. They sometimes chew holes in the irrigation pipe. Oh, that's annoying. Which is a bit annoying, but pretty much, no, they can run out the end of the rows. <laughs> Give you a bit of a surprise. Surprise, but um, no, they not. They don't really Eat bother. Us. Yeah, they're not, too, they're not too bad. They don't. They don't eat the fruit, you know. Yeah, that's for some right. reason. <laughs> There's a lot in. There. Wow, a couple hundred. Wow. Um, it's that thing that even for Aussies, it's still a bit of a thrill seeking a kangaroo. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not for you. <laughs> it's a good result this year. I mean, we've had a lot of rain this year, so. Um, obviously they're growing very well as opposed to last year which Did you, was a, you got affected by the smoke taint last oh yeah, year? Yeah, no, we lost we lost everything. Everything, wow. It's devastating that. Yeah, no, that uh, that was a different experience I have to say. But it's all looking good this year? Yeah, it does. It looks good. Wow. The, yields, the yields are probably a bit less than average but... Um, oh, why do you think that is? Is it the rain? Oh, oh yeah, it has a bit to do with the rain, a bit of disease. In the Cabernet, there was a bit of disease pressure from downy mildew, but it's a combination of a, you know two dry years and uh, there was a lot of stress in the vineyard last year. So you know they don't they don't bounce back and give you everything in the next. They probably do really well next year. I'd yeah. say. So you were saying that you grew up in a cellar door so did oh, yeah. your parents uh, yeah, were they winemakers yeah and... my father was a winemaker we owned Barwang which is a vineyard up at Young yep so my father was the pioneer he was the first guy to grow grapes and make wine in all of southwest New South Wales so what's his background is it Italian no no no, no he's Scottish oh right gosh I wouldn't have thought the Scots were big on winemaking he's uh, no he was a second world war veteran and um he was he was in the uh, bomber command in the air force, and he's in one of his crew was John Seppel from the Seppel's yep. family. So he sort of uh, got was introduced to good wine at that because they Seppel's used to send a lot of the family sent a lot of wine over to all the guys in the bomber command. Wow! So yeah, no, he's that's where his interest came from, and then he. Late 60s, he planted his own vineyard and started making his own wine. Young. In Young, yeah. yeah. Which was sort of, no one had talked to him for a while. I couldn't understand what he was. He had a sheep farm, he had a mixed farm, so they didn't really know what he was up to, but he continued and he did it. And, uh, so then you continued in the wine industry? Oh, yeah, no, it's a bit, yeah, well, that <laughs> was all I knew, really. So, yeah. but I went away from it for a while because I was, you know wanted to do something different but just gravitated back and ended up staying in it yeah Gundy guys are really you know, quite a young region yep. and there's still a hell of a lot of learning 
to do about what works best here. It seems like those uh, Sicilian varieties grow really well. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why we put some Nero in. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of those decisions are also about, you know, there's you know, market trends and that sort of stuff as well. But uh, I think, you know, they're suited, they, they're suited to the heat. And, mm. you know, let's face it, it's getting hotter. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful. It is. Yeah, it really is. I also visited the beautiful Barambula Estate, which is located in a historic homestead in the area. This homestead has just the most stunning views across the landscape. It's really beautiful. And the cellar doors just outside the homestead. I met up with Tim there. His family bought the homestead about 30 years ago. And Tim actually planted the vines and started making the wine. The stories around how each of the wine have their name is really interesting and it's so much rich history in the area. So enjoy the chat. I'm with Tim from Barambula Wines. Thank you very much for joining me. Now, did I say that correctly, Tim? You got it right. Oh, great. Right. <laughs> and, what did, and what does it mean? Well, it means uh, it derives from the Bora ceremony, the circle for telling stories of dream time, for uh, dancing and also for ceremony. So Barambula means initiation place for young men oh, wow. on their pathway to manhood. Oh, that's fantastic that you sort of um, incorporated that Indigenous meanings mm. in, into your um, wine labels. That was just one part of the process. The other part of the process was circumcision, but we thought we would just leave that for <laughs> Now, I understand that your parents had this property and then you have taken it over. My parents bought the property in 92. We moved out of Wagga as a family and um, uh, the, the whole objective of, of the place was to have a a focal point for the family to come to. And then I'd lived in South Australia for a few years in my, my previous life and I got involved at the pointy end, like it, most, most people visiting cellar doors on weekends, um, you know, enjoying talking to winemakers and thinking, oh, this is what I'd like to do. Yeah, and, um, I so relate. <laughs> in 95, I planted some our Chardonnay grapes and uh, we put a hectare of half of those in. Great, so and you set up the vineyard yourself here. Oh, fantastic, yeah. congratulations, yeah. So. Um, Presented a bottle of, of uh, the '98 vintage to my to my family, and they thought, well, we should do more of this. So we ended up doing the reds as well. So oh, great! So we've got Chardonnay, Shiraz, and Cabernet here, mm -hmm. and uh, from our Chardonnay grapes, we make a a Blanc de Blanc style sparkling, and then from our Shiraz grapes, we make a rosé. In addition to the wines, you also do beer and cider. We do, yeah. yeah. So I've been doing the beer for about twelve years. More recently, we're using all local ingredients. So out of Barellum, which is about seventy-five kilometres west of here, yep. uh, there's some farmers growing some barley's and rye's out there. Great. And a company called Voyager, who are who are malting those barley. So that's where we get our malt and barley from for our, our beer. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so it's fantastic. And um, the cider. Um your wife Naomi was just mentioning it comes from nearby Batlow and Orange. Yes, we get our apples from uh, locally as well, so that's that's great. And both those have been a nice little you know, side thing to our to our wine. We're in the Gundagai wine region. Yes, in in terms of uh, area, it's actually quite large. Yeah. So um, it runs from if I can give you some borders. Yeah, from, that'd be great. From um, sort of twenty five kilometres east of Wagga to Tumut, uh, right up to Jugiong. Oh yeah. Uh, north of Kutamandra. Tamora wow. and Junee. Wow, yes, so, that's quite a big space. So there's 27 vineyards in the area. I suppose where where would be seen as one of the, the well, certainly the newer uh, geographical indicators yeah. um, or named geographical indicators. And a lot of the fruit is unsold to a lot of others. But there are a few few labels around as well, which is great. Yeah, um, but it's, and it's you're great. saying it's more like a warmer climate. 
Yeah, look, yeah. we are. The, 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 the varietals that are grown here are certainly more conducive to um, you know, warmer conditions, definitely. And what do you think the flagship varietals of the region are? Well, we're asked to put forward our, our hero wine for the region, or flagship mm-hmm. wine, as you, as you call it. We chose the Shiraz because it had some, you know, in the, the Hilltops region, you get some lovely, they have lovely, um, some white pepper, lovely white pepper in their Shirazes. Canberra has some lovely spicy characteristics in theirs. And then we have some really intense fruit um, characteristics, mm-hmm. as well as those pepper, white pepper and, and spice. So we chose that. It was also the, the, the varietal that had won most medals and trophies, and a lot of the growers do grow Shiraz in this mm. region as well. That's so mm. interesting that you can have those three regions quite close to each other and they all taste so different. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, I've heard that your wines are named after like interesting historical events. Mm. Um, I know two of them are linked to royalty, so yes. um, can you tell us a bit about those? Yeah, sure. Well, it, this sort of came about when we bought the property, we didn't know a lot of the, the history of, that's been presented to us. But um, um, So initially our label was just Brambler Wines. And then um, a local historian wrote about all the parishes and runs in southern New South Wales and included um, Brambler Homestead and also the old homestead, which was built in 1840. Oh, wow. um, our homestead was built in 1880, and the property at its height was 1.4 million hectares. Wow. Uh, so it basically ran from Wagga to Tumut. Wow. Supporting 110 families. Our, our sparkling is called Eight After King Edward VIII. And his father, uh, King George V, sent him to Australia after the First World War. And he was basically here to thank the Australian troops. Um, he travelled right through the east coast of Australia, but came and spent three nights in the homestead. Wow, that's cool. Um, and he's the one that, of course, uh, uh, married uh, Wallace Simpson and abdicated and changed the course of royal history. Yes. Mm. That's super interesting. And then your rosé as well has got an interesting Yeah, so the, that was a, a bit of a, it's our latest because we only made uh, two rosés. Uh, 18 was our first rosé. We didn't have a name for it, but uh, when Charles and Camilla came out for the Commonwealth Games, they stayed at our neighbouring station, uh, Deltroit Station. We um, delivered the wines over and I was suggesting to uh, Sir Michael Hines, who owns the property, that he um, could tell Charles that uh, the sparkling wine that Charles is going to be drinking tonight is named after his mentor, um, and who, who stayed with us in 1920, Prince of Wales, future King of England. Wow. And here we are back in the neighbourhood, Prince of Wales, future King of England. So yeah. the wine is called Double Joy on the back that um, after drinking the wine, uh, that Charles uh, said that he, he loved the wines and he loved the stories. Double Joy oh. was his reply. <laughs> and we thought that was um, very, very English and that... Um, we didn't have a name for our rosé and that was just perfect timing for us. Oh, that's great. That's so cool. I could just run through them just yeah, quickly sure, with you. Yeah, sure, that'd be great. Yeah. So uh, our Sauvignon Blanc is, we've called it Wishing Well. Um, in the back of the homestead we have a well which is the original water source for the property. We were taking it apart that the, we found that the bricks were handmade by convicts. Oh my gosh. And each has the thumbprint of the man who made it. So um, we've kept those and we're going to incorporate it into our garden somewhere so people will be able to see those. That's really cool. Um, our Chardonnay is called Banya Banya and uh, in front of the homestead we have two Banya Banya trees that were planted in 1880 when the homestead was built. Wow. Um, they produce a very big nut, uh, which is about eight kilograms. Oh my goodness. And <laughs> in, inside the, 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 the nut is lots of seeds and um, these seeds are bush tucker and they are... Uh, they taste like potato. So do you can do you eat them off that? We do. Tree? Yeah, we oh. bake them in the oven and uh, just uh, put butter on them. They're, oh, they're, fantastic! They're okay. They're not fantastic. <laughs> like, my... Our uh, shiraz we called uh, Haraji Spell, and Haraji was a the winner of the 1947 Caulfield Cup and Melbourne Cup, and he was trained on the property here and then spell back into what is now our shiraz paddocks. 
But the really uh, interesting thing with this story, uh, we're at the Handmade Markets in Canberra, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been to. Brother and sister came up to us and told us it was their great-grandfather who sold the horse to F.W. Hughes, who owned the property at the time. I asked them what else they could tell me, and apparently the horse was only purchased two months prior to the Caulfield Cup, uh, brought back to the homestead here, trained, uh, went down to Melbourne, ran him on the Caulfield Cup, and they were just hanging out in Melbourne, basically basking in the glory of their win. Uh, they noticed there was five scratchings in the Melbourne Cup, so they thought they should give it a run. And it won wow. the Melbourne Cup as well. So wow. Cabernet is called um, Moonlight after the bushranger. Captain Moonlight came onto the homestead one night down to the original homestead and stole some horses one night. And uh, during that theft, there was a shootout. And you can still see the shrapnel scars in the back of the homestead where wow. the shootout occurred. Gosh, that's fantastic. So much history here. Yeah. Like well, hopefully the wines are the biggest highlight, but, yes. but uh, certainly the people visiting here do enjoy the stories that are intertwined uh, during that tasting as yeah. well. Finally, if people are visiting the region, mm. what's some great things to do with kids? Okay. So we've got Cornhole, we've got Giant Jenga, we've got um, uh, Connect Four and, and other games as well, So, um, which the, the kids seem to enjoy. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, look, there's some lovely walks that we've got... Um, if they can bring their bikes, we've got bike trails around mm. Wagga, fairly flat if they're just younger yeah. and not wanting the challenge. Or if they want some uh, more challenging stuff, they can go to Pomigalana and ride in that area. Oh, there. cool. And so Wagga's about half an hour from here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's uh, not far at all. If they want a little bit more challenge, they can go to the Rock, um, which is about uh, 25 <laughs> so kilometres. What's the Rock? So the Rock is a, it's a town, but it's also, um, the Rock itself is actually shaped if you use your imagination a little bit, yeah. like a, a lion that's sitting down. Oh, right. And, um, and that's in the town. It's just out of the town, yeah. and you can walk uh, walk that, that uh, and get magnificent views of the district. Oh, uh, fantastic. That sounds really nice to do. In addition to these, some other wineries that you can visit is the Wild Vine, which is just north of Wagga Wagga, Co and Co, which have two labels, the Leaning Cow and Covenant. I suggest calling in advance and appointments are recommended. So what's some other things that you can do in the region? In Gundagai, there's lots of statues and artwork. The dog on the tucker box is the most famous one. It's actually located just outside of town in a big petrol station area, food stop spot. It's about four kilometres away from town. But there's actually a four kilometre walking and cycling trail that you can take from town that connects you up to have a look at this. So that's a good walk in the afternoon. There's an old post office there that's been converted into a venue called the Sheridan Room and this caught my eye because they run monthly supper events with live entertainment and that looks really fun and a bit glamorous. There's also a really cool antique store called Junk and Disorderly and I picked up a really nice silver watch there actually. The tourist information in town is really helpful of course but inside there there is this thing called the Rusconi's Marble Masterpiece and Frank Rusconi was a celebrated stonemason that lived in the area. So he's done lots of statues and things and he actually also did the marble stairway at Westminster Abbey looks like a model European cathedral and it's sourced with marble found all over New South Wales and it's like a metre tall and a metre wide. So he lived in Gundagai from about 1910 and for over 28 years he built this in his spare time. So now that's housed in the Tourist Information Centre and you can pop in there and check it out. In Gundagai there's also an old jail and a museum and some historic bridges that you can, can go and look at. In the town of Tamora, which is not far away, there's an internationally acclaimed aviation museum and they regularly hold flying displays of all different aircrafts they have. Cootamundra is actually where Donald Bradman was born and there's a park, the Jubilee Park, where there's 42 bronze sculptures of Australian Test cricket captains, which I think is extraordinary in a small town. 
Tumut, in addition to having the distillery and brewery, have a broom factory where you can see the process of like old style brooms being made and, and buy one of those. But around this area, there's tons and tons of nature. Um, there's lots of camping and walking and cycling is really popular. And especially because of all the rivers, like there's lots of campsites along those. So where to stay? So there's lots of motels, campgrounds and Airbnbs to suit all budgets in the area. We once stayed at the Hillview Farm Stay. It's on the highway just before the turn to Wagga and it had very comfortable cabins and houses there and they've got some sheep and alpacas running around and chickens. So that's really fun for the kids as well. And if you're after something a bit fancy, the Sir George in Jugyeong has boutique accommodation that looks beautiful. So some quick stats. So from driving from Canberra, it's only about an hour and a half to Gundagai. It's a bit further to get to Wagga and some of those other little towns. So you're looking at about four or five hours drive from Melbourne or Sydney. There's no airport there. Albury Wodonga would probably be the close and that's going to be another sort of hour, hour and a half up the road or Canberra. So it's located in country New South Wales. Wagga Wagga is the biggest town that I've talked about today and that has about 56,000 people. Gundagai has about 11,000 and the other ones that I've mentioned are much, much smaller. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. You can also check out this podcast on YouTube and see pictures of the region and the people I've spoken to. Go to windelust.com.au. That's W-I-N-E-D-E-R-L-U-S-T.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to hear all about my upcoming events and other news. Till next time, happy wine travels. Happy wine travels.